Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is the Game Football Podcast from The Times on day four of Euro 2020. Today, Scotland failed to deliver at Hampden Park. We'll ask what's happened to Spain and defending champions Portugal, France and Germany prepare to enter the fray. This is the Game Euro 2020. And if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from, and make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now. If you do, you can get it for less than one pound per day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. So plenty for us to discuss. Let's get started. My guests today, Gregor Robertson, Alison Rudd and Michael Grant. I, of course, am Hugh Wisencroft. How are you guys? Excellent. Could be better, Hugh. (laughs) Couldn't be better, Hugh. (laughs) For obvious reasons. (laughs) That bad, was it, Gregor? I wasn't that bad. I can't bring myself to be kind of angry or overly disappointed because, as I've said on numerous occasions, I'm just so happy that we're part of the party. But it was a bit of a reality check, I think, for us today. So, um Things can only get better. Well, before we get to the details in terms of the match, Michael Grant, you were at Hamden Park and, and Gregor mentioned the party there. What was the atmosphere like? It was really good, to be fair. Um, the expectation and the excitement amongst the supporters was um, was palpable. I mean, they were, they were so, so up for this match. I mean, as you can imagine, that's what happens when you've been waiting 23 years. Loads of the, um, loads of the crowd would never have wouldn't be alive even when Scotland were last at a tournament in France 98. So the buzz and the energy around the place was terrific. Um, and to be fair, even even though the goals, the Czech goals, obviously deflated everybody, they, they, they still kept it going right to the end. It finished Scotland nil, Czech Republic two, of course, Patrick Schick with both goals. Uh, Alison, what did you make of Scotland's performance? It's a strange one. And I am, you know, I'm sort of almost surrounded by Scotsmen, so I feel like... <laughs> I should be kind. You. Uh, well, obviously, <laughs> I, I do feel blessed in that regard. But it, it was it was it was from a neutral point of view an entertaining match, and which when that happens, I always think, well, does that mean Scotland were naive in some respect? Uh, should they have managed the game better? There were times when I mean, it's been said, all right, Scotland got off to a bad start. Um, they've got nothing to lose when they face England. It, it'll give them a sense of, well, we just have to battle twice as hard. I cannot believe Scotland will be able to battle harder than that. There were times when it felt like a rugby match, not a football match. 
McTominay storming into the area. I mean, for, for like a split second, I did get that sort of brain freeze where I thought, is this rugby? Because it didn't feel like football. Um, McGinn went for tackles he should not have gone for. In a parallel universe, he was sent off six times. It was, they, they gave it, they gave it blood and thunder and everything in the opening game. I don't see where the next gear comes from. And I was left feeling, wow, that was hugely entertaining. And yes, you can't legislate for wonder goals, but are they giving themselves anywhere to go now? I mean, I, that's the sort of performance I was expecting them to say for the England game. And yet they had to give it all against a team they were probably expected to do something against. So I'm not sure... I'm not sure in terms of managing the game and managing the emotions and the occasion, they got it quite right. I, certainly, I would not say, I would come away from that thinking, Scotland held back at all. I think they gave it everything. And, and we could be sat here easily talking about um, uh, an Andy Robertson wonder goal because, you know, that was a lovely strike. On another day, that goes in. But it just, I, I don't know, honestly don't know where Scotland go next. Gregor, what do you think? Where do they go next? I kind of disagree with Alison. I think, you know, that's what we've always been. We've always been the triers. But we've, we've been given something a little bit more by Steve Clark in terms of a kind of a solid foundation, tactical blueprint, um, you know, organisation. And we've always still lacked that little bit of quality. And I think that's what we saw, we saw today. The difference was, was the, the striker. We scored two goals. It was, you know, wonder goals that we really don't have in our, in our locker. Um, I... I said at the start, I, I I can't find it within me to be overly critical of this this team and this group and this manager. I just think there are possibly a couple of selection team selection issues I would have I would have liked to have seen different. I personally would have liked to have seen uh, McTominay in in the back three. I think what's what's our biggest strength is midfield. We've got John McGinn, Armstrong, McGregor, Billy Gilmore, Turnbull. You know, some good players. Uh, McTominay is undoubtedly a good midfielder but he played really well in the back three uh, in qualification in, in the playoffs Tierney was obviously a huge loss but they just made that back three look quite weak um, and I think ultimately that was that was the case um, you know uh, as we said we, the 19, 19 efforts on goal is, is good going I think you know I think they had 10 but their, their, their chances were just far better I think I think seven of their ten were on target. Um, Scotland just weren't fashioning good enough chances to win to, to 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 have a chance of winning the game. Basically, what did you think, Michael, of Steve Clark's team selection and that forward line with Lyndon Dykes starting as well? Yeah, I think the options that he had up front were to play two out of three, which was Dykes, Shea Adams, and Ryan Christie. And Adams was the one who missed out. Adams came on at half time, and uh, he, I thought he did add to the the options in the attack. Dykes is um, is has been a very good Scotland player over the last year that he's broken into the team. He he, he gets him up the pitch, he wins the ball in the air. He, he doesn't mind taking on physical defenders in battles, but his his goal scoring has not uh, has not been his strength. And you saw it again today. He had one really good chance. He, he, I thought he just lacked conviction with it. He didn't hit it with enough power to really trouble the goalkeeper who was able to make a good save. Um, Adams, I think, does have goals in him. Um, the other the other options, um, defensively, he could have left out Stephen O'Donnell, who gets quite a lot of criticism from supporters, I think, who recognise that he gives everything he has, but he's you know quite limited. 
the options there are the young Nathan Patterson, the teenage lad who's really just emerged at Rangers in the last uh, couple of months or so. He's not played very much football, but looks highly promising. And James Forrest, who's a completely different kind of wing back in, in, in that he's essentially a, a, a winger. Uh, and I think that Forrest might well start against um, England because they have to try and they have to try and go for England uh, to some degree and um, get a point even because, as Alison said, I mean today that was a game really that I think they looked at and thought winnable. You know, um, win that one, set your foundation for the campaign, then see what you get at Wembley, and then you still have a home game against Croatia. Uh, as it stands now, obviously they're starting with zero. Scotland always give you that effort. They always give you that commitment and heart, especially in the last month or so. Uh, sorry, last uh, six months, seven months, they, they, they have had so much belief from qualifying for this tournament. I think they can play better than they did today. I thought the midfield was was pretty ordinary, to, you know, in terms of we didn't see that much from McGinn. Uh, we didn't see McTominay at his best. Armstrong didn't really get into the game we, the way we would have hoped for. We conceded two superb goals. I mean, nobody will talk about the first one, but it was a brilliant header from Schick. And the second one is one of the goals of the tournament. Um, and I must say, having been in the very last game that we were at in the World Cup in '98. There was a similar scene in that one, not from the same distance, but there was a ball over the top of Jim Layton's head. He's turning, running, scrambling back into his own net. It's like, oh God, 23 years and here we are again. <laughs> Let's talk about that goal then. Patrick Schick from the halfway line, Allison over David Marshall, a one-touch finish. I'm not really sure what the defender was doing shooting in the first place. That led to the turnover in possession, of course but it was an exquisite finish. Didn't even bounce before it ended up touching the net. Well, we've seen the goal of the tournament early on. It'd be really hard to beat that, won't it? Um, but can we agree to call him Patrick Sheik rather than Schick? Because <laughs> she, I, I, as I was watching, watching his performance, I was humming Le Freak and <laughs> it, it seemed to suit the goal because, you know, it's, it's so chic. It was very chic. And uh, I, no, I thought it was, well, it's, the noises I made when he scored indicate that it's the goal of the season, uh, goal of the tournament. Because he, what he, noises were they? Well, noises, Alan. <laughs> they, they involved whoop, whoops, lots of high-pitched whooping, um, which could be heard in the street. I think because it was really was one of those that you're privileged to look at. I don't know. I mean, don't, I, I feel terrible saying this. I mean, you must have thought, what? How, no, can, that, mean, how uh, can this be happening to us? But. Okay, no, it was you know, beautiful. Ma and he said, he, well. said, it was, it he, said he said that he planned it. He said he he was, you know, first half, he was watching the goalkeeping position and he thought, aha, he doesn't half stand quite a long way out of his penalty area. I wonder if I'll get a chance to lob him. So it's not it wasn't even um freakish to go back to Le Chic, Le Freak. <laughs> it wasn't even a freak goal. It was it was something he, he... I love that. When something amazing happens and then afterwards you find out that, that the goal scorer had been thinking about it. He'd noted there might be an opportunity. Also, um, it looked from the TV pictures that there was a bit of wind, there was a bit of a swirl, and he even judged that spot on. Because even when it was in the air, I thought, oh, is it going to... Is it going to be taken not far enough? To, is it just going to miss? He judged it to perfection. I don't know what sort of goal will beat that for the goal of the tournament. It was lovely. Sorry, Gregor. It was lovely. I feel a little bit sorry for 
David Marshall, you know, he's kind of had this iconic moment that, that got us here, the, the pause, the wait, you know, to check whether his penalty kick save was going was gonna to be valid. And then, the, you know, the jubilant scenes. And now he's kind of a man of a thousand memes when he's trying to dive desperately into, <laughs> into the back of the net <laughs> to save it. So, um, yeah, from kind of hero to zero there. I don't think much blame can be apportioned to him, to be no, honest. No, he wasn't too far out. He was miles out. <sighs> yeah, but, I mean... Do you think that your, your centre-half's going to shoot from 30 yards, first of all? Probably not. And then, Well, why is he there? Why is he there? Why is he that far out of the goal? I, I, think, it's I, been, don't, I, don't, I think it's been hypercritical to, to have a go at David. David I'm just asking that. you, you know, you've played. Why is your goalkeeper that high up the pitch, especially when you've got three def- defenders? You know, so if a long ball does come, you've got other players that can sweep. Yeah, I, I don't know. You're going to have to ask Stephen Marshall that. I think you know. Obviously, <laughs> if the ball comes over the top, he wants to be able to come out to get it. First, he's certainly not in the in the sweeper keeper mould. But um, I really, you know, Jack Henry is a man who took a decision that probably will be regretting uh, very much tonight. And yeah, I think, as I say, I come back to that 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 back three. He's he's been, he's he's had a good season away from Celtic on loan, but he's. I think when you look to that back three as a whole, Liam Cooper as well coming in. It's not he's not Kieran Tierney. Grant Hanley played well, but I think probably we're going to have to look at some some changes in the, in, in defence for the England game as well. So both of you would be making changes, but do you think England will look ahead to that match on Friday and be licking their lips having seen Scotland's performance today, Michael? Well, I think England would fancy themselves to win the match regardless. Um, I suppose they will think well, Scotland will come at us with kind of renewed or additional. Vigour um, on Friday. I'm, I'm not sure that our commitment, Scotland's commitment, will be any greater. Um, Trying to think about who, how they might change up the side. I could see Adam starting at the expense of Dykes. Tierney, if he's fit, obviously comes back in. Forrest might play wide right. Um, intriguing to wonder whether he might start Billy Gilmore in the centre midfield um, alongside McTominay if he. If he isn't uh, sure about Callum McGregor, who's not had the best season by his standards. Um, so, you know, if he makes those four changes, that's a different feel to the side. But, I mean, Scotland are under so much pressure now because um, had they won today, they could go through and all, you know almost have a free hit at, at, uh, at England. But now they really have to take something. I mean, it's, you know, you, you can win, you can, you can take three points in, in a group and still not go through even as one of the best third place teams that happened to two teams in Euro 2016 so you know you're looking at really Scotland looking at four points and I, I think it's probably gone after today Michael quickly do you do you think McTominay should, should stay in midfield rather than play in the back um, I'm happy enough with him in midfield uh, Gregor and uh, Clark said before the tournament that he would be playing in midfield throughout uh, throughout this campaign I mean, if if the if the back three at Wembley is Tierney, Cooper, and Hen- and uh, Hanley, sorry, uh, I'd be okay with that. Um, it, it's not the perfect balance because you don't have a right-sided or a right-footed, right-sided uh, defender. My worry is the Tierney one, obviously, because all we're all we've been told is that it's a niggle. And when he was asked, when Steve Clark was asked after the game, will he be all right for for uh, Friday? He said, "Well, well, 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 we hope so." and didn't fill me with immediate confidence that he was going to be okay. Now, maybe that's Clark playing, playing a bit of games, but, um, you know, if, if Tierney was nearly 100%, he would have played today. So that bothers me. And we know, obviously, that Kieran has had 
more than his fair share of injuries. And as, as um, Gregor said, he's he's arguably the most influential player in our side. So you take him out of it, and and plus his presence and the, and the kind of star quality that he has, um, that was a huge blow to the supporters. So yeah, I, I do I do worry about Friday now. I must admit. Gregor, are you worried about Friday? Worried's the wrong word. Uh, as I say, this was, it was a, did feel like a bit of a reality check. Um, as Alison eloquently said, we were kind of triers today. <laughs> rugby, rugby players even. God, <laughs> cheers. Um, and we just didn't have that. We created chances. We just didn't have that final bit of magic, that final bit of quality that you're going to need at this level. And, you know, it's going to, it may take a moment of magic from someone like McGinn, who, as Michael said, he wasn't really as influential as we would have hoped today. And yeah, I would like to see him mix up. I'd like to see him play Billy Gilmore. And he's, he's something different. He's someone who can keep the ball and, and, and work, play in like really tight areas that really Scotland don't have. They don't have anyone in that mould. We really, very rarely have throughout history. So I'd like to see him play now. Alison, are you expecting a big England win now on Friday? No, not necessarily a big England win. I think there are positives. I think Scotland were a bit unbalanced. But I think when you have a star player who's your captain in Andy Robertson who manages to live up to expectations rather than find himself flapping around wondering why everyone can't be at his level. I, I think that is a positive sign. He, he, he was impeccable almost, it, you know, and I think that is, you, you talked about a lack of quality, Gregor, but he was probably the second most impressive player on the pitch. Relentless. And I, you could almost see him thinking, okay, that didn't quite work. I'm going to try crossing a bit deeper or I'm going to try holding on to the ball a bit longer. He was influential without being greedy. Um, he pulled off an almost excellent shot, um, defended well, managed to look good in midfield, managed to look good up front, managed to get a few tackles in at the back. He was everywhere without looking desperate. And I think there's a calmness to him. And if they can sort of focus on that and sort of remind themselves that it wasn't a shocking performance. There's, you know, there's, stu there's stuff there that's all right. They now know they can't rely on blood and thunder anymore. They've got to, they've got to try and find quality. I don't know, Che Adams getting around the back of John Stones. I can see that happening, um, maybe. I'm not anticipating a hammering at all. Che Adams was impressive when he came on. And look, yeah, there shouldn't be doom and gloom. There were, there were fine margins. The game was decided by fine margins. Michael said it was a Superb header. Um, although I would be slightly worried about every time a cross came into the box, we did look a little bit weak against, you know, endangered by, by him in the air. <laughs> um, and obviously the second goal, as I said, was a wonder goal. So very fine margins and it's definitely not doom and gloom. Yeah, but are you, are you still confident that Scotland will go through though? Do you share Michael's concerns? I, look, the other thing to say is that Croatia were really pretty poor. And that's, you know, we should take a little bit of heart from that. You, you think Croatia would be another, it's going to be another very hard game, but they're not the same Croatia team that we saw in, in Russia. Um, and as I, you know, I said on yesterday's podcast, I didn't think, I think the, the praise for England has been slightly excessive. I thought Croatia were poor and for an hour England were playing in kind of third gear. Um, so we've got a chance against, against Croatia too. So there's still all to play for, absolutely. Yeah, plenty of football still to be played by Steve Clark, Scotland, but not getting the start to Euro 2020 that they would have hoped. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Elsewhere, Poland against Slovakia today. The Slovakians beating 10-man Poland two goals to one. Alison Rudd, what did you make of this game? Surprisingly entertaining. I think I had low expectations. Maybe that's why. But it was, um, I've made a note here. <laughs> ten-man Poland. And yes, they went down to ten men, but they were already down to ten men because they did not know how to play Lewandowski. I've talked about how um, wonderful it was that Scotland's best player was involved all over the pitch. Poland's best player by a country mile is Lewandowski, but he plays on the shoulder of the last defender. All he's good at really is scoring beautiful goals and being reliable. He's not, he's not somebody that can drop deep and uh, be an extra dimension for his country. And it felt it did before before Poland went down to ten men. It felt like they already were because he he didn't offer anything else. And I'm sure they were all desperate to get the ball to him, but they didn't have the capability to do it. And that I felt they were on the back foot throughout for that reason, just ever so slightly. I mean, it wasn't like a gaping chasm of lack of quality, but they, I just felt they were chasing their own tails slightly because they knew they had a superstar on the pitch, but he couldn't adapt to be more of what they needed. He's not like um, Harry Kane, who is, you know, an excellent striker, tipped also is possibly, you know, win the golden boot at the top, but he will drop as deep as it takes depending on circumstances, and Lewandowski does not. And I think that is a very difficult problem for that team to solve because you can't drop him because he's a wonderful, wonderful player. But it, it makes them seem just ever so slightly lightweight. So I, don't, I can't see them progressing unless they can solve the problem, which I don't think, I don't think they will. Um, the game included a fantastic quiz answer. I'm told the first own goal ever to be scored by a goalkeeper at a European Championship, that honour goes to Wojciech Szczesny. Um, Slovakia, Alison, were they better than you expected? Well, uh, well, I'd heard a few um, Slovakia fans beforehand 
slagging the team off. And then I'd heard someone saying, well, actually, Slovakia tend to play quite well when everyone doesn't rate them. And so I thought, well, I, I suspect they're going to play with, you know, with no fear and be quite good. And they, they played exactly like a team that's been written off, has nothing to lose. Um, there was a lot, of, um, a lot of confidence on the ball. I mean, yeah, it was a ridiculous... Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a ridiculous own goal, actually. It came from some real trickery by Mac the Knife, as I've decided he's called <laughs> in Slovakia, which he's not. But uh, it, it, it was trickery that brought about the goal. It, wasn't a, it, wasn't a, uh, it, it deserved to be a goal because the build-up was so lovely. There was lots of close control, lots of um, free, players playing with freedom, expressing themselves, uh, sashaying running rings around the Poland defence. And I think you only play like that when you don't have any weight of expectation on your shoulder, actually. So it did them good having at home nobody um, singing their equivalent of um, it's coming home. They were written off and they played like a team that thought, well, we may as well have a bit of fun, actually. And so it made for a really entertaining and well-deserved performance. Do you think the second yellow card was a little bit harsh? The two, t- the two yellow cards were unfortunate, but they were technically, they were technically correct. It just felt wrong. Because, you know, the, there wasn't anything horrible going on. But technically, they were yellow cards, yeah. Can we just also say that, you know, Matt Dickinson's not here, but officiating, VAR, been magnificent so far. <laughs> you know, there's been no controversies. It's been brilliant. Mm. I think that's the closest that we've come. And you could, as Alison said, you can see that, you know, it gave the, it gave the referee a decision to make, as they, as they say. I think we just got that element of familiarity with free free-flowing officiating from around the continent when it comes to the European Championship. Maybe we give a little bit of leeway because, Gregor, there have been some shouts that probably would have been given if it was the Premier League and there was VAR being used in England. So, you know, you can call it controversial or not, if you like. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to fight about it, but that's all I'm saying. Uh, Let's move on. You're talking about Slovakia being written off a little bit. So I wanted to talk about the other game of the day. In particular, Spain, a goalless draw against Sweden in their opening game. So many good players in that squad. Nobody is talking about them as being potential winners of Euro 2020. Gregor, why do you think that is? Well, it's a bit of a kind of new new generation of of players coming through. You know, a lot of talented players, but, you know, some element of the unknown about that. And also, they've had some pretty chaotic preparations, you have to say. Uh, you know, Busquets um, contracted covid and basically, Spain's preparations have been played out in the kind of bubbles that the Premier League uh, clubs were, were operating in 12 months ago, uh, 14, 16 months ago. You know, at the start of this, at the start of the pandemic, training in groups, small groups of 10, um, not, not being able to eat together, not being able to do video sessions, all of this. I think they only really trained together properly as a group for the first time two days ago. So it's been tough for Spain in the preparations and that on top of a kind of, as I say, a, a bit of a, a new team, a new, a new group of players. But I think that watching them t- tonight, it was, they dominated the, you know, a lot of what we expect from Spain almost, the kind of intricate play and dominating passes. I think I saw a stat with the 419 passes in the first half as the most there's ever been in a, in a, in a European Championship. But it really didn't, they, create, they created a great chance. There was a great chance at the end for Moreno and Morata had a great chance. And Morata is another player who's kind of, I don't know, he's had an energy. Emo Werner-esque catalogue of, yeah. of misses. And I think, you know, he's been taking some stick from the Spanish support as well. Um, so he's not playing in, in, in peak confidence, shall we say. And, and he had the, the best chance in the first half. So, yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm not sure I saw enough for Spain to be considered as contenders, really. I think we saw what we'd expect, but we didn't see much dynamism. We didn't really see as it, not, not quite to Scotland's level, but that final bit of, uh, of quality needed to kind of to open the door, I think. You're a left footer. Talk me through Marcus Berg's miss. Should he have been using his left foot or should he have skewed it off with his right like he did? <laughs> left foot. Always get your left foot behind it, I would say that. But Alexander Isaac as well, I mean, he did brilliantly for, for that. To, to kind of fantastic feat to fashion the, the yard of space and cross it for his, for his strike partner. And he had a good opportunity in the, in the first half and hit the post. He was, so Spain, you know, Sweden... Some people were being a little bit critical of them in that they, they sat really deep. Two banks of four invited Spain to try and break them down. But th that's the, that was the toughest game in the group. And, you know, they've, they've got a point. And they can, look, they can come away, I think, pretty happy with, with that result. Let's look ahead uh, to tomorrow's action before we go. And it is finally here. The group of death, the group including Portugal, who play Hungary, and France against Germany. What a, what a game that is for the first match of those two nations. Uh, at the European Championship. Michael, do you think the winner of Euro 2020 is going to come from this group? Um, yes, I do. I do, yeah. Um, because I think it's going to be France. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Germany do in this group because, or sorry, in the tournament because, you know, you look at the depth of the squad and it's and it's terrific. Um, but then we know, and we've seen in the past, when when a manager announces he's leaving and... Um, uh, it's his last hurrah. It doesn't always work out as neatly and as sentimentally as um, as, as we would like. You know, it, it, it seems to kind of it can mess with players' heads, and they they don't give him um, they don't give him what uh, what he's expecting. So hard to predict. I think what we're going to get from from Germany and Portugal are so strong that I think Portugal and France will take the two automatic places, and it's a case of whether Germany can um, can go through as a strong thud. Alison, you're the eternal optimist of the game podcast. So tell us how you think France versus Germany is going to play out. Well, I don't, I don't think either of them will win the tournament because they'll be emotionally exhausted. Can you imagine having that hanging over your head that you're in the group of death for the whole extended period they've been waiting for this tournament to start? It's a ridiculous... Everyone I talk to about the tournament, they all say the same thing. They say, how's that possible? How did that happen? It shouldn't be happening, should it? I mean, I mean, for, for, for Michael to be saying, oh, you know, Germany might scrape through in third place. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So um, I, I, I think it being the group of death might have an impact on the dynamics of the group, on how they come through it. I'm less intrigued by Germany and more intrigued by France because part of me just wonders, is, is this the rumour bill going mad because... Everyone seems to think France are unstoppable. You look at them on paper, they have a, such a wealth of talent. You know, are the pixies out making up these stories that they're arguing amongst themselves? Why on earth would they be arguing amongst themselves when they're blessed with so much wonderful talent? Um, so I sort of, for a soap opera sense, I sort of hope it's true and that they sort of turn up looking... <laughs> dishevelled and angry and <laughs> not not what we expect but um, never ever write off Germany basically they've had their shock of the year anyway they were beaten by um, North Macedonia three months ago in a World Cup qualifier um, that they that's their that's their bad result out of the way that will have even if the players aren't buying into the manager anymore that will have shocked them so much I think they'll be 
surprisingly good at this tournament. Mm, I personally don't think Germany are that good. I think they might get knocked out in the group stage. So we've got something to discuss on tomorrow's episode of the game podcast. Alison and I uh, with contrasting views. Gregor, you love a prediction. What do you think the game score will be? <laughs> uh, I think it could be a draw. I think, I, you know, I, I think France, are, they're the clear favourites and it would take a kind of fallout, I think, for them not to go very far in the competition. Um, and I would put Portugal behind them. So I, I agree it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for Germany. But I still think, you know, this, this is two kind of heavyweight nations going head to head. And Germany have still got a you know, very strong team on paper. Um, and as Alison said, never write off the Germans. It will probably be the most watched match so far. So make sure you listen to the next episode of the Game Podcast because we will, of course, be dissecting each and every moment from France against Germany. But thank you for being with me, Gregor Robertson, Alison Rudd and Michael Grant on today's episode of the Game. And to all of you, of course, uh, for listening. Remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now. If you do... You can get it for less than one pound per day. Just go to the times.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. We will see you tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.